Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Hawks Insiders podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Danny Prins, and this evening we are going to run the rule over the Hawthorne versus Port Adelaide match on Saturday afternoon this week for our weekly player ratings pod. Um, very happy to be joined by my two co-hosts, seems like regular co-hosts for this pod, um, Andrew Weiss and Darren Levine. Andrew, how are you going? Good, thanks, Prinzi. Just to clarify, are we doing whole game ratings or just second half ratings? Uh, well, let's cross that bridge when we get to it. We probably should have discussed that pre-pod. Um, no, no, we'll that do that. We'll do that. Do the whole game ratings, but um, of course we'll do the whole game ratings. Yeah, I've got a feeling we'll we'll be having a positive tint on on a lot of these player ratings tonight because the second half was fantastic. Yeah, it's always interesting, isn't it? When you um when you finish stronger, you come away with uh, brown and gold tinted um you know views on the game whereas you know you could see on twitter post-match there was port adelaide fans melting down over a 55 point win um because they didn't finish the game the way they wanted to and um yada 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 i think i saw a fair few complaining about umpires which was really interesting we see seeing as that's your forte i thought that might be you the other way around well whitey uh i think whitey tweeted today and he tagged me in uh how disgraceful there were three decisions in inside the first minute that went against us and that that changed the narrative for the game. And I love Whitey and I hate the umpires, but I read that and thought, oh, probably wasn't the reason we got 90 points down early in the game. But uh, yeah, each to their own. Uh, and Darren Levine, welcome to you too. Uh, yeah, I felt like I was intruding there on a um a, a nice conversa- post game conversation between the two of you, but um no, good to good to be back. And Weesey, I didn't think you were going to turn up for this one. You <laughs> you were ready to pull the pin, but I think uh, win or lose, we we committed to doing these, and I think people love a bit of um you know visceral reaction uh, post game. It helps us heal. When we do the next post game grand final pods rating, these are the these are the moments you reflect on and oh. go, I was there when we were 90 points down early against the power. I was there when we won our next flag. And how long are those pods going to go for? I reckon break, break the records. Well, Ash won't like it, but they're going to be six and a half hour pods and we'll <laughs> just break them into chunks and release them over time. Yeah. Love that. Uh, full game, full game, full game pods and then post-match reactions. Um, we'll live call it or something like that. Anyway, let's get back to this game. Let's get sucked into it. Um, ordinary start by the Hawks. Uh, make no bones about it. This was definitely a game of two halves. Uh, Hawthorne trailed Port Adelaide 16-9-105 to 3-5-23. The signs were there early that this one was going to be a tough one. Um, Bumbley uh, kind of just missing the mark, 10% off and uh, for the Hawks and the and the power were absolutely on it from from minute one. You know, if Gen- Jeremy Finlayson's having four or five shots in the first quarter, you're in for a long day. Um, but the Hawks, to their credit, and and I think um, with 
one of uh, the signs that we're seeing from this football club more and more is that it's a club that just won't die. It's a club that won't be um, pinned down and absolutely smashed. And we're starting to see that and it's starting to become part of the fabric of the DNA of this Sam Mitchell team. And they uh, they still lost by 55 points, but um, Port Adelaide ran away 23-13, 151 to 14-12-96. So they actually won the second half. Uh, and I think a little bit of honour and respect in that as well. Now, if we just quickly flick through some of the team stats, we won't um, sit on that too long. The Hawks actually fairly comfortably won the disposal battle, 409 to 356. Um, in the second half, they cranked up the handball, uh, handball usage. Um, they were down 204 to 230 on kicks, but up by almost, uh, by almost 80 in handballs, 205 to 126. They lost the inside 50 count, 52 to 72. Both teams went at about 76% uh, disposal efficiency. Um, and the Hawks actually had a better efficiency inside 50, 55.8 to 52.8. Um, the Hawks actually had more free kicks, Andrew Weiss, 17 to 14. Um, dominated the hitouts, but lost the clearances. And we haven't lost the clearances by nine for some time this year. So um, that was an interesting stat. And I think reflective, not so much of Hawthorne's midfielders having down days, but just how impressive some of these Port Adelaide mids and their midfield group really is. Um, and yeah, so Hawks didn't, didn't disgrace themselves in the second half, but definitely got um, overrun early. They got jumped basically. And I think it, we listened to uh, Josh Weddle's post-match interview. He actually talked about, how they were feeling like it was really hot out there and they weren't ready for that, which I thought was really interesting. Um, we see, did you have a take on that? Did, firstly, did you see it? And did you have a take on it? Yeah, I heard the comments, which I thought was really, really interesting. Um, oh, actually, uh, our listener, Scott, who we spoke to on Thursday night, who went over, had messaged me before the game to say it was 23, 24 and really hot. But he also actually mentioned at quarter time, he was shocked to see that similar to uh, the classic scenes up at the Gabba against the Bears old school that we took our quarter time huddle into the shade, clearly piecing those two, those two things together. And we haven't seen too much more or heard too much more. It was an issue. Uh, it was an issue and either they hadn't been expecting it or hadn't prepared from a climate point of view, but uh, really um, contributed to um, to us being slow to get out of the blocks and slow to catch up. Absolutely. And uh, look, um, Daz, before we get into the individual player ratings, um, just credit where it's due to Port Adelaide. They were incredible in that first half of footy, weren't they? Oh, they look like the Harlem Globetrotters. I think I don't think I've seen a, a better half of football this year from any side or in a long time, actually. And I think they look like the real deal, Port, as much as it pains me to say it. But um, and God, it was painful listening to the commentary as well. But yeah, they they absolutely are a, a team to be reckoned with, and I think they're 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 going to push it really really far into finals this year. So yeah, I don't think we'll we'll. Ash actually made the point of, I don't think it's going to get worse than that. I think we play all the, the teams above them at the G. So, yeah, that's prob probably the um, the toughest team we'll play for the rest of the year, I reckon. 
Definitely the toughest road trip for sure. Um, now let's get into the player ratings. We're going to start with you, Daz, this week um, with Mitch Lewis, uh, number two uh, for the Hawks. Had 20 disposals, so another big disposal game for Mitch. 12 and eight. He had eight marks. He kicked three goals, two, um, and uh, had three goal assists and 13 score involvements, the big fella. One of his eight marks were contested. Two of them were inside 50. He had 300 metres gained. Uh, and he had three inside fifties uh, himself. Uh, just another um, really solid outing. Obviously, most of these um, scores are heavily weighted to the second half. Um, you know the the impact. Sorry, I should say. Um, but another really good game from our key forward does. Yeah, and you know he's just keeps proving every week how important he is to that forward line. Works so hard, and and I think his effort. And the the sort of reward for effort comes from from really really hard work and those three goals, um, you know he's he's every week he's getting you know kicking two three goals and what more can you really ask? Twenty touches, um, just another really complete game for Mitch. So, yeah, I'm going to give him a seven. Guy Newcomb, we see uh, your first one off the board this this week. Uh, 19 disposals. He actually had nine in the first half, 10 in the second. So no great increase for him after halftime. Um, steady as she goes. He kicked a goal. He went at almost 80% disposal efficiency. And, and one thing I will mention is I feel like um, Jai's Disposal efficiency this year has been up considerably from from previous years. And um, I think you see that he's actually one of the better users of the football uh, in our midfield unit at the moment based on disposal efficiency. Um, he had uh, more than half of his disposals were contested. He kicked another goal, which um, seems to be a semi-regular occurrence now. He had five score involvements, took two marks and 368 metres Gained and he had five clearances, two of them center clearances, three stoppage clearances. How did you rate his game? Yeah, so I think everything you said before we started around the midfield unit getting beaten as a whole, uh, I think his stats and his game is probably reflective of how we went as a midfield overall. So um, he, he didn't, he certainly didn't dominate. It was one of his quieter games for the season. Totally agree with what you've said about his disposal efficiency coming into the year. That was probably one of the bigger knocks on his um, on on his beautiful portfolio that he's put together to the start of this season. That has not been an issue whatsoever in twenty three. Um, the goal was fantastic on the run, drilling it straight through the middle. Um, kicked it beautifully. So that was really, really good to see, um, but heavily beaten. I think we only had one mid that that you could say won, won their position or won a position in the best starting mid across both teams on the day. It wasn't him. Um, he did enough to get a pass. I gave him a five, but again, um, and that's okay given the season that he's put together, but um, yeah, not one of his better days this season. And I think that's indicative, isn't it, we see of um, how our young midfield is exciting and as um, po polished and well-performed as they have been are still going to have down days as they get from, you know, 15, 20 games to 50, 60 games. Yeah. And that rotation, I mean, we're still in total experimentation phase. So the rotation is going to continue 
there are going to be days where nothing works, regardless of who's lining up with who in that midfield unit. Um, and that's okay. Uh, again, as a, as a young midfielder to be in the guts and see the likes of Butters and Rosie and Nolly Wines doing their stuff. It's, it's just another game of ex- experience to add in. Uh, one guy who, um, when he headed back against his old side, um, had a fairly decent day at the office. Daz, one of your favourites and um, one of the real favourites of um, Hawthorne fandom now, um, Jarman Impey, finished the game with 33 disposals. Just a note, and this is not Impey slander, but he only had 10 to half time. He actually had 20 three after halftime, which is actually phenomenal in and of itself, um, but just sort of is reflective of how the game changed and was on Hawthorne's terms far more in that second half. But 33 uh, disposals, 22 kicks and 11 handballs, six marks, two tackles. He kicked a goal. He went at a shade under 80% disposal efficiency um, and had six score involvements, um, 534 metres gained and two inside 50s, Five rebound 50s. Daz, what did you make of Jars's game? Yeah, well, the stats don't lie, and I thought it was a, a great game from Jars. He had, I think, 33s is a career high for him as well, disposals. So, yeah, you can't really ask for much more than that. I was really actually surprised that he didn't get booze from the Port, port crowd. I thought they were definitely going to happen. Maybe a few kind of crept in towards the last quarter, but um, yeah, I think I think they he was a favourite. Uh, in at Port as well, and I think they've got a lot of respect for him. I love him getting forward, and he he, he took it took his um, chance really nicely after missing a few earlier in the season. So yeah, just keeps going from strength to strength, flying under the radar a little bit. But I think he'll 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 be up there for the PCM. I think he's had a really consistent season in a season where I don't think a lot of players were as have been as consistent um, as Jars. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to give him an eight. Now, Weesey, um, you mentioned uh, before that John Newcomb wasn't the one player in the Hawthorne midfield that won his spot on the day. I'm tipping the player that you were referring to as the one that did was the man that's up next. Number five, James Warple, finished the day with 35 disposals, the most on the ground. Um, had that beautiful James Warple-like breakdown in disposals of 10 kicks and 25 handballs. That's what we like to see. Um, had a mark and two tackles. Um, 17 of his 35 con- uh, possessions were dis- um, contested possessions. He also had a disposal efficiency of 80%. So if you're getting the ball in the areas James Warple gets the ball and you are using it at 80% efficiency, um, that's a good day at the office. I don't care who you are. He had nine score involvements. He had six clearances, three center clearances, three stoppage clearances. He had eight inside 50s, four rebound 50s, and he did all of that while having three free kicks against. Weesey, how did you rate Warps' game on the weekend? Yeah, so um, without giving too much away, he might be the unsung hero in tomorrow's match report. I think that he was absolutely brilliant. What is really interesting to note is you mentioned 17 contested possessions, so that was game high. He had a game high um, 18 defensive half pressure acts. So 18 pressure acts in his defensive half 
while still having eight inside 50s in the forward half. So he worked really, really hard up and down the ground. The other thing he he did well, there were two or three moments where he got the ball, he looked at a player and knew he was going to be tackled and did the formerly known as Jager O'Meara fend-off. Uh, but I think he's, he's trademarked it. The James Wapple fend-off and, and they worked. He was magnificent um, and the season he's put together um, has been in, incredible. If he keeps going this season, doing what or the second half of the season post by, doing what he's done in the lead up, um, he'll be, Daz obviously just mentioned Jars being right up there for the PCM. He will be right up there as well. Um, and after last week, uh, given that we we weight all of our ratings based on Daz's rating system, uh, if Jars gets an eight, I'm giving James Warple an eight and a half. All right, moving on to Ned Reeves. Uh, the Big Noodle had 10 disposals, three and seven. He had one mark, four tackles. Uh, he had 31 hit outs. Uh, and six, uh, four clearances, I should say, um, 89 metres gained and eight score involvements. Daz, your thoughts on Ned Reeves and his game? Yeah, I thought he, the, the Meek and Reeves combo were not working particularly well in that first half. And well, nothing was, but um, yeah, Lysette comfortably beat, beat them. And I think when Meek went off, Reeves actually played a lot better. He was... Um, again his tap work is is terrific and he was getting some some real kind of um depth on those taps and getting it out into some dangerous spots um i think the port midfielders were reading it pretty well off his hands as well unfortunately for us but um yeah i just again with ned it, it's it's not the ruck craft and the ruck work it's just what he does around the ground and you know extremely slow turning circle not really clunking him when he should be um, not really getting on the scoreboard. And I think that was a big thing when we had Ben McAvoy as number one ruck and the only ruck you could, you could kind of bank on him at least getting a goal a game and taking some marks to take the heat off. Um, and that's just what we need Ned to start doing. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think he, it was a great game, but I think he definitely like most players had a better second half. So I'm going to give him a five. Yeah, I, I concur with everything you said there. I think one of the things around his um, tap work that I really enjoyed seeing, and we'll get onto it in a bit more detail a bit later, but there was a real connection uh, when Dylan Moore moved into the midfield, and I think he fed him three or four times really beautifully. There's one that sticks in my mind uh, watching the game back, um, which uh, was just a beautiful connection between Ruckman and, and, and midfielder where Moore ran all the way through, collected it as he, as he didn't break stride, kept being able to go at the same pace and deliver the ball into the forward 50. So um, that's the sort of stuff that Reeves does bring. But like, like you said, does the lack of goals, the lack of marks, the lack of overall on field damage or impact outside of those Ruck contests is what's concerning. Andrew. Yeah. I know we said to, in the interest of time, we wouldn't comment on other people's players, but here we are. For the first time, I saw something this weekend that gives me the potential to disagree with that. 
And that is that Jared Witts, who I love, I think he's a fantastic ruckman. He had a great game on the weekend. I think he had 46 hitouts, maybe touched it six times and maybe took one mark. But the 46 hitouts with his physical presence was incredible. And it was the first time I thought, okay, well, if Noodle's going to get 40 every week and can actually be getting 50 or 60% hit out to advantage, that that makes a significant impact from that point of view. Maybe it will be okay that he doesn't dominate with eight or nine marks like Gorn or Grundy, that he can be more of the wits mould. Just something I picked up. Yeah, there's some merit to that, I think, for sure, we see. And we're going to stay with you, mate. Um, your boy, Sam Frost, uh, did not touch the football in the first half. Um, had five tackles to halftime, but did not touch the footy in the first half where the game was played predominantly all around him. Um, but he did, he was moved forward um, after halftime, finished the game with eight disposals, five kicks, um, three handballs, four marks. He kicked a point. His disposal efficiency was 38%. Um, he had two turnovers, three score involvements. He had yeah four marks, like I said, one of them was contested. And that's about it for his game. Andrew, your rating on Sam Frost, please. Well, I love that if you stay true to the format, Prinzi, I've worked out that I get Cozzy as well. So I can go to town on the Frost-Cozzy combination and what I think, potentially without Daz's involvement here. Um, he's Just remember who calls the shots, we see. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's true, that's true. His first half was terrible obviously I mean the ball was in our back pocket the whole time in our defensive 50 so for a defender to not get a touch that's inconceivable it wasn't that he just didn't get a touch like half the time you didn't even like where was he like you couldn't even see him and then you've got Finlayson kicking four in the first quarter and so between him and Blank, you know, our tolls being all at sea and first half was hopeless, just absolutely hopeless. Second half, he actually became a good option, except for the fact that, I mean, if he was a semi-decent forward, he could have kicked two or three. He missed the shot. He had a couple others, I think one that didn't make the distance, one that went way off the side of, of his foot. And... The, the reason I mentioned Cozzy is because his stats in the second half as a forward were better than Cozzy's as a four-quarter forward, which I know I'm, I'm giving a rating for Frost, but I think it says more about Cozzy's rating than it does Frost in terms of Cozzy's impact on the game. But having said that, sticking back to Frost, um, lived by lived by the frost ball died by the frost ball absolutely died by the frost ball against port uh and he gets a two and a half out of ten for me well i cannot wait to see what daz rates cozy later no uh, <laughs> um darren carl amon 
uh, another one of the port returnees. He finished the game with 25 disposals. Uh, he had 14 and 11. He kicked a goal. He had five marks. Um, he had 16 of his disposals after half time does. Um, so only seven in the first half. He went at 80%. Uh, he had just the one turnover, two goal assists and 10 score involvements and five on, on the dot, 500 meters gained. Um, how did you rate Carl? And I think another one that got a pretty decent reception from the Port fans. I didn't hear too much booing, but maybe I wasn't concentrating on that and I was focusing more on the ball going over our fullback's head time and time again. No, he, he didn't get booed. And again, yeah, I, I, I really... Um, maybe underestimated the Port fans because I thought they would just be at him from from the first bounce. So I was with you on that. Ag again, another player that I think is highly rated by Port Adelaide, and you can you can see why because he's just uh, a really really solid footballer. Switches the play so beautifully, and he, you know, some pinpoint kicks across the ground that just set up set us up. Um, so again, a, a, another week where it. it you know, good finisher. He's he's just a, a really solid, solid player for us, and uh, and a great pickup. And yeah, it's um, I'm going to give him a six and a half. I thought it was a pretty decent game, except for that first half, obviously. Yeah. Can I can I say this about Carl Amon? And I, I don't think it's a a criticism more than a fact. I think the type of player that Carl is that like you said, they're, they're your finishers. They're not the players that are going to pull your team out of the mire when you're down um, like we were in that first half. And I think that those are the sorts of players that we've probably added Carl two years too early um, in our rebuild. He still is a really valuable piece and he is a very clean, beautiful ball user, which we need people um, like that in this side. So there's no issue from, from my perspective in giving him games, but that type of player, obviously we took him because he was free as a free agent. We didn't have to give up any draft capital to get him, just money, and we've got plenty of that. Um, but that is the sort of player I think we'll be looking at again in a couple of years' time to top up the list to be able to you know, compete for finals and stuff like that. So no, don't, we don't need to go any further on that one. I just I just thought um, it's, a, it's a worthwhile comment. To add in it. Anyway, let's move on. Connor Nash, number 11, uh, 21 disposals, uh, but just the four kicks, 17 handballs, uh, a mark, six tackles. He had two clearances in total and only 132 metres gained. We see um, a bit of a lesser output for Connor this week. Yeah, obviously uh, part of that midfield group that got absolutely slaughtered Overall, um, the six tackles is good. You know, he still tried hard to assert his dominance. And what I would say is I feel like, and maybe this is just because I'm wearing Connor Nash uh, tinted glasses, um, old days, if he had a stinker, he might struggle to 10 touches. Still had it over 20 times. So, uh, I mean... Obviously, he didn't have a significant impact on the contest, but to still get it 20 times in one of your, well, your worst game for four or five weeks and one off for the season, I think is a positive to take out of it. But um, yeah, I would, I'd have him slightly 
below Jai in terms of impact on the game. So I'm giving him a four and a half out of 10. That might be reflective of your Jai rating. Um, I can't believe I just said Jai rating on the pod. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on very quickly. Uh, Darren Levine, Will Day. I'm very interested to hear your take on Will Day. So Will Day was tagged pretty heavily um, and it showed. Um, It was it was tricky for him to break free and and have the impact on the game that he would have liked. Uh, he was able to a lot more in the second half. He had 13 second half disposals um, for and finished with 20 all up. But again, it was six kicks to 14 handballs. Uh, and Will is one of those guys that you want the ball in the hands of. Even though his disposal efficiency by foot hasn't been great this year, um, he is a really, really classy and clean user of the ball generally. Um, he went at 95% disposal efficiency this week. So that's a, a really big improvement from, from him. Had six score involvements and um, had a nice contested mark and two clearances. Daz, it's a positive thing that um, the opposition are putting time into into Will and the experience that he gets and that, that um, understanding of what it's going to take to be able to overcome a tag is really important for somebody who you know, probably has all the makings of our premier midfielder. Yeah, I think you've, you've nailed it there, Prinzi. Um, I, I think he struggled to to deal with the tag, um, you know, well down on his, I think he's averaging around 25 disposal. So well down on that, um, just wasn't his his normal damaging self. Um, and yeah, he's, as you said, I think he's just going to have to learn, learn from a game like that. Just seemed like he was frustrated the whole afternoon as well and you know it would have been hard for him being back in Adelaide and playing like that uh, and I think he he would probably reflect on that performance and you know we'll probably see a, a, a will day next week with something to prove but the thing that that I'm really liking is he's getting consistent games and you know every game he's still he's still super young I think we, we forget that sometimes he's plays with a lot of maturity and he makes really smart decisions that belie his years, but he's, he's developing as a player. He's early on in his development and I'm just happy that he's getting a consistent run at it. Cause it's something that he's lacked over the past few seasons. So yeah, just, just a five and a half for Will. What was, it was a tough game for him. Does that mean that he, he, he rated one less ranking point this week to last week? Oh, I knew you were going to do that. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I, I had re- to. I, I, had re- to. Re- I really got stuck in a corner with last week's training. So actually, we, uh, we, we offered you, you the chance didn't. to change your rating. Like, we literally opened the, the rating. You cannot change the rating. I wanted to, but you, that's the rule. Um, so Self-inflicted rule. No, thank yeah. you, Darren. Um, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's a really good point to to make note of, um, separate to the ratings, uh, which are your least favorite part of the ratings pods. Um, but uh, Will Will's ability to stay on the park other than the suspension this year has been a really, really important step in the right direction for his um, development as a player and as a leader. Um, there were knives and pitchforks and stuff out at about this time last year for will um and it, there was there were messages in our whatsapp group and all over hawks twitter about 
Uh, Will Day needs to be shipped off or he needs a he needs a rest. He can't keep his body right. He's never going to stay fit. He won't be a player. Now, now we're talking about a 20-touch game where he's been tagged for the duration as a five and a half out of 10 game. And we're going, can't wait for him to get that experience so that next time he knows what to do with it. So I think that shows how far he's come. And a lot of that is because of that continuity of his body and his continuity in his football. So really, really good point, Daz. Uh, we see, I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on the next player. Dylan Moore had 22 disposals, 12 and 10. Um, another one who had just the six to half time and then 16 after half time. Um, more was actually moved into the midfield in the second half and had some sort of impact actually uh, had nine uh, contested disposals. He had two goal assists, seven score involvements, um, 358 meters gained four center clearances. I'm tipping they were all in the second half uh, and four inside fifties, two rebound fifties. And he had four center clearances out of nine center bounce attendances which is a phenomenal ratio. So, Weesey, how did you see Dylan Moore's game? And was there some something in there to get excited about? Because I, I personally think there was. Yes. So the negative would be, and I can't actually bring it. I can't actually find it. So while I talk, I'll get you to Prinzi. I feel like his disposal efficiency wasn't where it normally would be expected. We normally get an 80%. 68%. Yep. Right. So that probably, that probably lends true to that, just the, the eyeball test of potentially not being as clean as he often is, but absolutely the second half in the midfield was fantastic and a really, really good reminder of how excited we used to get when he was playing through the midfield the difficulty is that yes, it lends itself to saying, oh, you know, when we've got some issues or just to try and mix it up, we've got this weapon that we can utilise in the midfield to um, to try and get us out of a rut or, or just try and um, keep the opposition guessing in terms of that midfield mix. But it's that classic, are you robbing Peter to pay Paul because we know what he can do up forward as well as the fact that our midfield has generally been the shining light for the season. So no issues playing him in the second half there, given how, how our midfield got smashed in the first half of this game. And yet he did really, really well. There are a couple of um, wonderful links up with link ups with Reeve. I think Reeves, I think you mentioned one of them, but um, some of the tap work straight down his throat moving through the middle was magnificent to watch. Um, the second half was great, but it was obviously a product of being close to a hundred points down at the time. So it's too hard. It's hard to get too excited by it. Um, I gave him a five and a half out of 10, which is mainly all thanks to his second half outweighing everything he did in the first Beautiful. Uh, Daz, Jack Scrimshaw, 19 disposals, 10 and 9. Uh, he had 7 to half time and 12 after half. Went at 74%, uh, had 9 contested and 8 uncontested disposals. Did have the 4 turnovers, 2 score involvements, 4 marks, 2 of which were contested, 
and he had five rebound fifties um, and took three of our kick-ins. What were your thoughts on Jack Scrimshaw's game and his sort of first game back after his little mini hiatus out of the Hawthorne side? Yeah, well, the Jack Scrimshaw case keeps getting more curious. Um, it was a bit of a rusty comeback, I would say, um, to, to put it mildly, but he definitely improved in that, in that second half and he was a big reason in us turning it around. I thought I thought he worked himself well into the game. He had a shocking turnover, I think, in the first half, which was just very un-Jack Scrimshaw-like. And people I, I saw on Twitter saying, you know, that's that's the reason he's not back in the team. I, I think he's allowed to make a mistake. I think there were a lot of mistakes made on the day, but it was a pretty it was a pretty big one, and I think it led to a goal. Um, he had a game high thirteen intercepts, so you know he's 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 got skills and he's got talent, and he reads the ball so well that he should be playing this team every week. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Sis coming back. Um, whether he's going to be back out of the side and we'll have to work really hard again at Box Hill or or they'll keep him in. I'm, I'm not really sure what, what they'll decide to do. But um, I think there's enough from that second half to make me think that he, he needs to stay in the side. So, yeah, it's a, it's a glass half full, five and a half for Scrim. I like the post-rating clarification too there that's uh that's appreciated uh blake hardwick 25 disposals 15 and 10 uh he had six marks a tackle he kicked a point from a mark inside 50 that he had um he had three turnovers three score involvements nine rebound 50s uh and he took six kick-ins all of which he played on from so a couple of cheapies there for blake uh his um, possession breakdown was actually pretty pretty much bang on from first half to second half. So he wasn't sort of necessarily one of those guys that got in on the act in the second half. see what did you make of his game? Yeah, it's a hard one to rate because you look at those stats and if you didn't know um, the outcome of the game, you'd say, geez, he's had a really, really good day at the office. But um, when you consider... Um, Willie Rioli being the key small forward on the ground for Port kicking a bag when you consider that six of those 25 were kick-ins as you said and and that obviously helps with his meters gained when you consider the fact that again in the first half the ball was in there non-stop so unlike the frost discussion earlier yeah he should be getting the ball a lot um, it was uh, it wasn't a terrible performance. It wasn't an outstanding performance. So it just was like he was just part of a back six that was getting smashed. Um, so I mean, I gave him a six. I thought he tried, and you could you could actually see him trying, but it was a lost cause. All right, a six for that performance for Blake Hardwick. Um, Lachlan Bramble, 20 disposals, 12 and eight, uh, three marks, a tackle, a point, 70% disposal efficiency for Brams. He had six turnovers, a goal assist, four score involvements, 405 metres gained, three inside 50s, two rebound 50s. Daz, what did you make of Bramble's uh, performance on the weekend? Yeah, another play, and I feel like I'm going to say this a lot on this pod, that that play had a much, much better second half. Um, he had most of his possessions in that last quarter, which I guess 
you know, make it a few junk time possessions too. But um, yeah, just uh, I thought he was pretty anonymous in the first half, to be honest. Um, didn't really see much of him, but um, a much improved second half from Lockie and he's retaining his spot in this team, I think, for sure. I think he's he's starting to put together a pretty consistent run um, and I'd like to see him stay in the side. I think he did enough in that second half to 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 hold his spot down um you know he's when he's running with a footy and he's and he's taking a bounce and he's um being aggressive i think that's the lucky bramble we like to see and i saw enough of that in the second half to give him a five and a half so daz before we move on i just want to ask you the question i know this is not the selection dissection pod but harry morrison was um a judge to be best of field for box hill does he put pressure on Lockie Bramble at all, or are you, t- are you keeping Bramble in the team ahead of Harry Morrison? Oh, I think I think we've all seen enough of Harry Morrison. I think I think it it, it definitely does put pressure. I think it's a good kind of pressure uh, for Lockie to to know that he's got that we've got options that are waiting in the wings. So I don't think it's enough pressure to lose his spot. Um, you know, and Harry's going to keep knocking on the door. He's going to he's going to pull pull out those performances weekly at Box Hill because he's one of those players that's kind of in the per, in purgatory, footy purgatory at the moment. Too good for Box Hill, not good enough for for the AFL. So it's yeah, it's it's a tricky one. But I think Lockie holds his spot, and I I just want to see more of him. He's younger. Absolutely. All right, Lloyd Meek. Um, we see this is going to be really really quick because. So was Lloyd Meek's game. Uh, he only played 41 minutes of the game. He had four touches, three marks. One was contested. So he actually had more marks than Ned Reeves in a third of the game time. Um, and he had five hit outs and went at 100% disposal efficiency. I don't know if we even rate him, but you can chat about him. If you oh, I see. I see what you're doing here. You're trying to uh Cut me short on what I want to say about Lloyd Meek so that you can flip the order around and get Cozzy through to Daz. I know I can see what you're doing. However, it is your prerogative, but I do have some stuff to actually say about Meeky because I, I was really, really disappointed that he got subbed and you could see how disappointed he was. I totally understand the notion of we've got to do something different we need more run through the middle um take off a tall bring on a small um but you could equally say well the proof in that is well dylan Moore didn't play in the middle till the second half was magnificent in the middle so you still could have played him through the middle and tried to mix up what you're doing through the middle to get more run into the game. So Reeves averages one and a half marks this season. Meek averages four, and he'd taken three to when he got subbed at the 10-minute mark of the second quarter, and good grabs as well, dishing straight off to, I think they're all pretty much handballs, dishing straight off to someone who's then getting you 50 metres territory. So, um, yeah, oh, it's disappointing. It's, it's practically impossible to give him a rating because he played 40 minutes. I was just really disappointed because after the last three or four weeks, I feel like he probably earned the right and what he did in the first 40 minutes to keep playing. 
Absolutely. Um, I will let you off without a rating there, Weesey. Uh, Darren, Luke Bruce, I know yes. that you would love to wax lyrical about Luke Bruce. And I'm disappointed in Mr. Weese's attitude towards um, speaking about our Captain Fantastic and Mr. 500. Um, but as Luke Bruce, it's not necessarily about the stats or even about the bag that he kicked because he kicked a handful, kicked five, three and could have had seven or eight. Um, but it's all about 500 goals, the slice of history, the fact that he's getting the credit that he's due uh, from the wider media, the fact that guys like Kane Corns are saying as soon as he's eligible, he's into the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, that's what today was about for Luke Bruce and how great that he could do that despite it being in a losing side in Adelaide, he could do that as skipper for the first time. Yeah. And that's all you can ask um, from a skipper is to really lead from the front. The, the problem was he he was in the wrong end of the ground to be leading. Um, but you can't ask for, for, for a more, um, for, yeah, for, for a better game than that from, from an acting captain, um, you know, five goals, 500 goals, um, it was. It was just terrific to see him, him do it. I thought after those posters, it wasn't going to be the day. Some of us thought he was going to be rested, so he could he could do it in Melbourne. But yeah, it was just um, just brought back a lot of memories and just of, of how good he's been over the journey. One of the one of and I said it on Twitter. One of the best small small forwards to ever do it. Um, just so crafty, so smart. I think that was all on display and you know 32 years of age he's, he's he's still getting it done and as Weesey said I think last week he's got a couple of years in him um and just based you know he, he kicked a bag it's it's pretty ridiculous um I can't remember the last time he did that but he's he's kicking goals weekly and that's all you can really ask of him and, and contributing and 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 helping our forward line Start our forward line starts is starting to look really functional um, with Mitch Lewis and and Bruce D in there and 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 Brocky doing his thing as well and so, Cozzy obviously you miss Cozzy and Cozzy I'm gonna <laughs> uh, um, I was thinking before and and Weesey's probably got a, a lot to say about this but I'd like to see actually Fergus Green come in for Cozzy rather than than going two talls but um if if someone is going to make way for Cozzy and It'll be interesting to see what Sam does at selection table. I'd, I'd like to see Green get another shot at it, but um, yeah, Luke Luke Bruce gets a five hundred for me. Oof, the greatest rating we've ever had on this pod. Um, in all in all seriousness, uh, Luke, when you listen to this pod, um, from all of us here at Hawks Insiders, congratulations! Uh, you're an absolute superstar of our club and the competition, um, and credit where it's due. Um, moving on to Jacob Kaczynski. Um, it feels like quite a, quite a drop from where we, where we just were. Cause he had eight disposals, five kicks, three handballs, two marks, and he had three hit outs. I believe he did have three hit outs. He went at 88%, um, disposal efficiency. He had two turnovers, kicked a behind three score involvements. Uh, one of his marks was contested and that's it. That is it. That is the floor it. Is so, yours. I mean, I don't need to come off the long run and I don't need to go longer than necessary. Like my issue is the same. I mean, to be totally fair, it was exactly the same last week, except that he had one really good lead out mark handball 
against the Saints and then obviously took that mark and kicked the goal. So absolute credit where it's due last week. But if you took those two plays out, he did not do much last week. This week, he missed that set shot that he absolutely, I mean, that's what he's in the team for. He missed that set shot. And outside of that, he basically didn't do anything. And when you've got Rioli, Finlayson, Marshall, Lewis, Bruce, all kicking bags of goals, and that was his one set shot, has hardly taken any marks, it is an issue. The issue with Fergus is I don't think he had a very good game on the weekend. and He actually hasn't done much for Box Hill since he's returned there, to be honest. He hasn't, but to be fair, Cozzy in his stint back at Box Hill hardly did anything either, right? Like he was, he might have kicked a goal or two here or there, but he didn't have any games where you went like, there. there's our forward. We've got to get him back in as soon as possible. So... It is a conundrum um, and I don't know what the answer is other than saying that I I get more sceptical by the week that he's the answer mm-hmm. and just saying, yeah, but he's 21 or yeah, but he's 22. Is 21? Is he still 21? Um, 22. Is 22 is, is not going to cut it for a significant longer amount of time so you know that that's the only thing from my point of view I'm very skeptical when it comes to whether he'll make it or not but I'm also always the first to put up my hand and say I was wrong when I get it wrong and hopefully I will be but um he really didn't offer much I gave him a three and a half out of ten if I can add my my input on what I think the Hawks should do when it comes to Cozzy and that second key forward, um, I was disappointed we didn't get to see Brandon Ryan at Box Hill on the weekend. But my my thought would be there's a guy that's been kicking goals at the VFL level all season. Um, if Cozzy has to stay in the AFL team for a week or two um, while Ryan gets his Box Hill sea legs um, and gets a game or two under his belt, I'm okay with it. And then I'd be giving Brand, provided he continues that form and kicks a couple of goals for Box Hill, I'd be giving him a crack um, and then giving him half a dozen games at least to see out the year, to see what we've got. Cause he's only in on a six month contract. And that's what this season is for. So t- totally, totally open to that for sure. All right, Daz, uh, Cam McKenzie was the sub on the weekend, so didn't uh, have to cop too much to the punishment in the first half that his teammates did. He had one one kick and one tackle before halftime, um, but he finished the game with 12 disposals, five kicks, seven handballs, um, four tackles, one mark, one behind, which came from a beautiful little sidestep, but he burnt the finish. And I think we've seen that of, uh, quite a bit actually with Cam McKenzie. I don't have his um, season goal kicking stats on me at the moment. Um, if we see, maybe if you can have a look for those, if you can find them, but I feel like he's had quite a few shots at goal with limited success to this point. And for somebody who's as clean and as um, classy by foot as him, that'd be one thing that Mitchell, I think would be looking at. Uh, he had six uh, contested possessions and five uncontested possessions uh, six score involvements, um, and he only played 61 minutes of the game. 
Uh, and yeah, he had three clearances, including two center clearances in the second half. So Daz, what did you make of Cam McKenzie's cameo on, on the weekend? Yeah, and he had 10 center bounce attendances as well. So they're obviously not afraid to chuck him right in the guts and go up against some of the best midfielders in the comp. Um, yeah, Weishi said he's he's gone 3-5 for the season. And look, I think that it's just a, a young player, deer in headlights, just, you know, trying a bit too hard maybe and and, and not relaxing with his, with his finishing. But um, I loved his, I think it was a rundown tackle He's a he's he's not afraid to do the hard stuff either. You you kind of you know your eyes are drawn to his the, the beautiful way that he that he delivers the footy and he, the way that he kind of weights his his kicks. But he's not afraid to do the hard stuff and get stuck in. And absolutely love the kid. Uh, I just think I just think he's oozes class. Um, and he came on and just you know it, it was it was a really impressive showing. I thought. Um, every possession he made, he made it count. Felt like he had a lot more of the ball, ball as well. Maybe because that he did the exact right thing every single time. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see him get a full game again next week because I, f- I feel cheated every time he's a sub. Um, so again, how do you give a rating for three quarters? You're, you're allowed. I'm gonna give him a six. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, Sam Butler, we see uh, one of yours and my um, favorites, um, 12 disposals, uh, seven kicks, five handballs. He had six um, disposals in each half. So he was still finding it even when most of the team wasn't. Uh, he kicked a goal. Um, he went at 83% disposal efficiency. Um, he had three score involvements, three marks, one of which was contested, 161 meters gained, uh, one tackle inside 50 and two inside 50s and a rebound 50. Um, not huge numbers for Sam Butler. And I think the conversation we'll have around both he and Tyler Brockman is that we'd love to see them up in the high teens, low twenties for disposals, not in the low teens uh, or mid teens, but um, yeah, still building nicely. We see. Yeah. I think this probably goes hand in hand with those kind of Nash comments earlier as well, that, the difference between your best and worst game actually needs to narrow. So your 10, 11, 12 possession games need to become 15, 16, 17 possession games. And then your 15, 16, 17s need to become low 20s. So again, it's it's difficult when you get smashed like that in the first half and the ball's in your back line, but going six and six each half probably shows that he didn't have as much regardless uh, as much of it or impact on the contest as he should have. But what you get in this sort of game and this sort of performance out of someone like him are the two or three classy things that make you go, yeah, great. Like we need to get another dozen games into him because he's part of that that forward line structure moving forward. Uh, and, and you're going to need to, similar to the mid rotation, have the six, seven, eight, nine group of 10 forwards that um, we're going to continue to experiment and develop with, uh, develop. Um, and he's obviously a key part of that. I gave him a five out of 10. Daz, one of your personal favorites, Connor McDonald. Um, just behind Dylan Moore for blokes who love a goal. Um, he had 20 disposals, uh, 10 and 10, 
15 of those 20 disposals were in the second half. So he didn't have a lot of it to halftime, um, but kudos to him for um, turning it on in the second half. He had just the one mark. He kicked a goal. He went at 65% disposal efficiency. He did have 10 of his um, 20 disposal, uh, 20 possessions were contested and he had seven score involvements. Um, he played, interestingly, um, he paid, played about three quarters of the game time. So he spent a fair amount of time on the bench. Um, so even when he's not sub, he's sitting on the pine. Um, when uh, 275 metres gained, uh, two inside 50s and three clearances, including a centre clearance and two stoppage clearances, Daz. Yeah, I, I think it was an okay game. I think he um, was pretty anonymous as most players were in that in that first half. And you know, I was surprised to see the 10 last last quarter possessions. Um, he really has kind of the opposite problem to Cam McKenzie. I think he's a really good finisher, um, loves kicking goals and 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 really kind of um yeah, he he he's just one of those players that relaxes when he when he's when he's in front of goal. Um and you just kind of know that when it leaves his boot, it's gonna go through with Connor McDonald. Really good finisher. Um and I'm glad that he got a goal. Um yeah, so not not an incredible game, but we're talking about a not incredible game where he gets 20 touches. So um and you know, we, we're hand passing is becoming a real feature of this team, and I think he was involved in a lot of good link up, um, uh, you know, by hand. So, yeah, pretty decent game for Con in the end. Um, I'm going to give him a five and a half just that just for being anonymous in that first half. Yep, back at the ground where he kicked his first AFL goal. And that's the first time I think he's ever been called Con. So I call him uh, well, Con. Well done, well, Con. Well done to Con for that one. Uh, and we'll finish on one stat. Um, he had his one center clearance from two center bounce attendances. So 50% ratio of when you're in there, you're going to win it. So hopefully we see a little bit more of Connor McDonald or Con in the center clearances uh, and in the center bounce um for the back half in the back half of the season. Moving on to Ty, um, who had 15 disposals, uh, 12 uh, kicks. Why am I being roasted today? I'm being absolutely. If you weren't going to say it, I was going to say it. So sorry, sorry. Can't be the sorry. only one that calls him Con. No, it's the first time I've ever heard it. Is it just me? That's fine. Oh. Anyone listening we to call this him... pod, let us know if Con is your go-to. We call him Con in this house, so I just thought everyone else did. Tyler Brockman had 15 disposals, 12 kicks, three handballs. He had six marks. He kicked a goal. He had a tackle. Um, went at 80% disposal efficiency. Uh, had three goal assists, what we love to see from our small forwards. Had seven score involvements. Uh, two marks inside 50, 409 metres gained. Five inside 50s himself. And... Um, just keeps building on his um, solid foundations as a small forward, Andrew Weiss. Yeah, absolutely added to the value that we see in him as a small forward and, and the aura that is Tyler Brockman. There's no doubt about that. I think what I found from this game that is becoming a bit more evident is knowing when to be selfish and knowing when to find a teammate, I think the goal he kicked, he was clearly trying to put it into the path of the guy running into the goal square. Obviously, kick the goal, that's fine. 
the there were a couple of other occasions I think his free against wasn't on the full and there was a not making the distance where he was going for goal and potentially had other opportunities so um, I think that will just come over time and when you've got that prodigious a, a talent you don't mind them backing themselves in so totally get all of that um yeah happy enough with his contribution um what will be interesting Prinzi you know obviously we heard a lot through the broadcast that he's got twins for those who don't know and also that he's from Western Australia um so revelations jeez I was taken aback by that Absolute revelations, but clearly the rumours will continue for the rest of the year around pick three. Or until he signs his contract. Or until he signs his contract around pick three, around DGB and around Tyler Brockman, not necessarily part of the the same package, but whether or not um, there is movement among those three properties so to speak because there's a draft pick there um in terms of wanting to go back to western australia at the end of the year so that's a massive watch because no doubt he is penned in as a key ingredient part of our next premiership Uh, yeah sorry go on no i was gonna say i gave him a six out of ten but go on princey no and i was i was just gonna add to what you were saying i think Tyler Brockman does things that nobody else in this Hawthorne team can do. And players like that are gold. You do not let them go without a fight. So um, I think what we're seeing from um, Brocky is that every time he goes out there, he increases his stock. Now, ideally, and we said this last year uh, or even earlier this year about Will Day, ideally, as they're increasing their stock, they're doing so so that their next contract is larger at Hawthorne. That's what we want at the end of the day. But the offshoot of that is if he does decide to go home at the end of the year and he's averaging 15 disposals, a goal and a half, and three goal assists a game, pony the freak up, West Coast. You're going to pay for this guy. You are not getting him on the cheap because every single person who has anything about him in AFL landscape knows that this guy can play football and he has the talent to be an elite level small forward when he is, you know, 40 games into his career. And um, shout out, I will shout out to Brad Klebanski because we I give him a bit of hate, but he picked this one very, very early. And, um, you know, this is, he's one of the only guys he speaks, Brad speaks positively about um, him and Josh Weddle. So, there you go. Daz, you wanted to add a final comment on Brocky before? It. Yeah, he's not the chairman of selectors for nothing, Brad. But um, yeah, yeah, with Brocky, I actually heard on the commentary, I think Kingy said that he could see him being a spark midfielder at some point, just chucking him in the guts when we when we need a bit of X factor and spark in there. And, you know, I could totally see him doing that and and, and having that sort of, dare I say it, Chad Wingard-esque. Cyril, Cyril Rioli um, circa... Yeah. Uh, you know, powerhouse times uh, when when we needed a, a little bit of a game change in the middle of the park. It was Chuck Siddle in there for a contest or two and let him go to work. Obviously, I think very, very different players, Cyril and Brocky. Um, Cyril with that manic pressure and the contested work and the tackling, 
that's not necessarily Brockman's game, but that evasiveness and the the ability to slow down time and um, you know take a step and just change the angle of the game and all of those sorts of things that you cannot teach and um, you know most players don't have. He has a lot of those things. I, I feel with Brocky, I, I could be wrong. I haven't looked at hide or that sort of stuff compared to Cyril, but. He strikes me more as uh, the potential to be a really good lead-up half-forward as opposed to balls at the laces, pick-up, snap, running forward pocket type. Yeah, um, a little bit more Mark Williams than Silverioli in the way he plays as perfect. a forward, isn't he? Yeah, perfect. Perfect yep. comparison. Yeah, I agree. All right, um, we could talk about Brocky a lot, but we're running out of time. Um, James Blank. Um, had 11 disposals, six and five, two marks, three tackles, uh, one clearance, uh, which is a fair effort. Uh, that must have been a stoppage clearance. Um, and had, you know, obviously a lot of the time the ball was down there, especially in the first half. Um, I will throw it to whoever's turn it is because I've forgotten. Um, Daz, which is kind of beautiful. Um, Everton survived the drop. James Blank gets hammered in a Hawthorne team the next week. Um, Daz, how did you rate Blank's game? Oh, I mean, do we need to really dwell on this game from Blank? We had Marshall kicks a bag, Finlayson kicks. I mean, he wasn't on Finlayson, but I mean, yeah, that, he had a he had a pretty rough day at the office, Blanky. So I'm going to give him a two and let's move on and never talk about that game again. He... he 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 uses the footy pretty well. I'll give him that. Um, he, actually, he looks a little robotic when he uses it, but he they seem to be like quite effective. Uh, his yeah, kicks. you re- you rarely it, it's it's a it's an awkward kicking action, but mm. it, you rarely see him turn it over uh, or, or make shocking mistakes. Um, we see you wanted to add something. I was going to say uh, just a positive. He had nine spoils, which was the most on the ground. Josh Weddle had eight. And our next best was Blake Hardwick with four. So, I mean, it could have been a hell of a lot worse, right? Like he was somewhat doing his job and punching the ball away. It was just a tough day. Yeah. He played on Marshall though, didn't he? Most of the game, I think, and Marshall kicks five. So, I mean, I... You know, I think I, I think I, what Weesey's trying to say, Daz, is did you want to review the rating? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, um, I was just trying to take a positive because no, I think it's absolutely. really important that he stays in the team. A hundred percent, he needs to stay in the team, and I, I I whizzed through that rating because it was just a it was a really challenging day for him. The backline was without sis was just completely at sea. Um, it was structureless. The ball movement of Port we just could not contend with. It's not. It's not always the key defender's fault. Like I think the ball delivery was just something else and they just could not get their heads around it. So yeah, it, it feels unfair to give him a two because it's a defense is a team thing, but you know, what can you do? Yeah, absolutely. Now moving on to uh, one of the shining lights of the game. And uh, again, we break down Josh Weddle's game into two very distinct halves. Um, in the first half, I thought was very unfairly asked to play on Jeremy Finlayson. Um, 
we will talk we'll talk about Sam Mitchell after the players um ratings, but um why we're not playing multiple key backs to allow Weddle a bit more freedom to develop is very interesting to me. I, I want to get your guys' um, opinions on that later. But Weddle finished the game with 25 disposals, 12 kicks, 13 hands, four marks, a tackle. Um, nine of his disposals were contested. Um, he had eight intercept possessions, two score involvements. Of his four marks, two were absolute hangers. Uh, they went down as contested marks. I also thought he was robbed very early in the game of, I reckon he almost held that one, which was then uh, dropped and port kicked, Finlayson kicked um, a very early goal. Um, he had 466 metres gained, six rebound 50s, two inside 50s, nine one percenters. Obviously, um, we see you talked about eight spoils for him as well. And he took a few kick-ins. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure he didn't move on to Finlayson until quarter time. So I've got a feeling, and Sam talks about it in his press conference that he... So he was just near Finlayson when Finlayson was kicking all those goals. I mean, all of our defenders were somewhere inside defensive 50, weren't they? Um, look, I think... With Weddle, he had a few moments. There was another fumble in the goal square where he could have just backed himself to pick up the ball, fumbled an easy goal. There are another couple of fumbles. And I think I said in our WhatsApp group at one point, Prinzi, um, back back down to earth for Josh Weddle. You know, like this is different story to the last few weeks. And I think the reality is you've got to consider that it's his sixth game of footy. It's his sixth game of league footy and he's still just a kid. But what he did in that second half was incredible to the point where um, I've got a mate who rates Cam McKenzie significantly higher than Josh Ward. Obviously, very early for these sorts of conversations and there's personal preference galore. And I just messaged him today to say, could, could we actually have someone that is going to be a better footballer than Cam McKenzie. And it's all guesswork, but Weddle just oozes star. Like he's he's clearly playing out of position. I can't wait to see him get up onto a wing or be released off a halfback flank instead of, as you said, being part of that um, key defender mix. And who knows? I mean, he... If he has another growth spurt or two, he might become our centre-half back. Like, he might become our key defender. You can't rule that out either. But he's got power. He's got pace. He's not scared to attack the footy once he's comfortable and settles in. He knows how to get it. We saw with those marks, he's happy to fly in packs, in aerial contests. He's only played a handful of games and he's just a kid. So um, of all of the positives out of this game, like he's right up there in the top couple for what we saw um, and what we got out of it. Uh, I gave him a seven and a half out of 10. Yeah. And I think we, I mentioned before with Tyler Brockman about he has the ability to do things that others in the team can't do. Josh Weddle's another one of those guys that you see him do something, you go, 
there aren't many players in our squad that can do what he just did in that situation, you know? And when you're talking about a 19 year old, 191, 192 centimeter kid um, who last year in his developmental year played as a key back this year is trained with the midfield group. Um, Mitchell's talked about playing him in multiple positions to give him exposure. You know, you just go, what is the ceiling for this young bloke? Really? Like, what, what is the ceiling? What could he be? What could he be? And look, it's pure Gary speculation, <laughs> right? Like, it's pure speculation at this point. But I would say, if you're looking at the two players on Hawthorne's list with the highest potential ceiling, they're Josh Weddle and Will Day. Those are the two players on Hawthorne's list that have untapped potential. And, Pr- and Prinzi, knowing how far up Will McCabe's rocketing up the draft board, if, again, it's all imagine and what if and what could he be, but if Will McCabe lands where we think he's going to, the decision to shuffle to get Weddle in last year could be one of those decisions that in five to ten years we look back and go... Of all the decisions, this is one of the best. Yeah, I Brad tweeted something earlier today about Weddle raving about him, and I I jumped in and basically said I think the most exciting point of it is the character that drives his performance. Um, we talked. I I mentioned earlier about Carl Amon not being the sort of guy that gets down and pulls you out your team out of the mire. I think Josh Weddle is one of those guys that does. And I think that those guys don't come around very often. I'm not saying that he is Jordan Lewis or Luke Hodge, but I think he is one of those boys, jump on my back, I will carry you type players. He is not afraid to mix it up. He is not afraid to get his hands dirty. You know, there's going to be teething issues. Don't don't worry about that. But I don't know that attitude and the character that we saw from a young bloke interstate in a tough game who'd just been sort of given a bath in the first half to come out and have that kind of second half that that's that's a special to me special. that's a special to me. yeah well said anyway final player and daz i'm really excited to hear your thoughts on bailey mcdonald the poor guy he's come in to a team that's won two on the trot thinks you know how's how's how how the hawks going and then he's playing he starts in the back six on the field and he's playing in a back six that cops 90 odd points in the first half and is looking uh is looking absolutely you know shocking and you just think what am i doing here sorry they, they conceded over 100 in the first half or just under um Bailey McDonald had 10 disposals, four and six. He had six marks, two tackles, and 200-odd metres gained. It's not necessarily about the stats for Bailey, um, but what was your vibe? What was your what was your take on him as a player? And also being, what, round 12 at the moment and him being the third from his draft class to debut? Yeah, well, I think that's the thing to focus on and, and isn't that terrific um, because I, I think this draft class is – I think they've nailed the picks because you look at how Husswaite's performing and O'Sullivan and Bennett's in the VFL and Bennett's had a really good game on the weekend in a, in a, t- in a tough loss. So yeah, the fact that McDonald 
Cup's first cab off the rank. I'm sure the others are going to follow suit pretty soon. Um, it was a, it was a reasonably good understudy for um, seven game veteran Seamus Mitchell, who I felt like we really missed Seamus out there, even though we agree we haven't haven't seen a lot of him. Um, so yeah, I, I thought I saw some flashes of McDonald, and and I've I've seen a bit of him at Box Hill, and he's super speedy, and I was I was pleased to see him trusting his his jets and taking the game on a bit. I think he got caught maybe once or nearly caught. Um, but he's, yeah, he's an absolute speedster. Um, and it'll be exciting to see where he ends up playing. I think, I think the likes of Lockie Bramble will sort of end up making way for, for a Baylor McDonald. Um, I think he's, yeah, he, he's going to definitely have a place, um, in the future of the side, whether that's so far as a running halfback or on the wing. So didn't we have a rule about not rating debuts? I feel like you just made that rule up just then. Oh, so it feels so hard. No, I'm backing Daz up. I'm pretty sure it was uh, it was up to the person rating. All right. Well, we know Daz is going to avoid rating wherever he can. So um, I think um, I, I look at Bailey McDonald, and I, you know I've seen a little bit of him at Box Hill as well, Daz, um, and. Maybe this is going to sound a little strange, but a player that I really like who I think is underrated um, uh, at the Western Bulldogs is Ed Richards. And I, I see a bit of Ed Richards in the way that Bailey McDonald plays, just in terms of his dare and his dash and the willingness to take the game on. I think Bailey McDonald has the ability to be a better field kick than Ed Richards, who's not very good by foot. But I think that that controlled chaos when you've got the ball um, coming off half back, especially in this game plan that Mitchell's, implementing where you, it's run and gun and handball and and receive and, and you know give and go give and go somebody like Bailey McDonald could really carve out an important role in that side um and yeah I'm, I'm really interested to see how he develops in that space yeah absolutely and look I don't think he looked out of place at all I think um he slotted in quite seamlessly in that in that position I, you know obviously it was a, a really tough game for him to to come into and and, and a moment for him to come into and you know, it's a bit of a nightmare debut for anyone, really, when you you have you're playing against a rampant Port team that kicks a hundred points in the first half. But um, yeah, I, th- I thought he slotted in pretty well. Gents, to wrap it up in the ratings, um, we see. I would like to get your take on Sam Mitchell's coaching performance this week. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can really take too much away from just how good a team Port are. Like we talked about the heat and whether we were prepared for it. We talked about changes in the second half. Um, I don't think you can read too much into being out coached or anything like that. Potter, a very, very good football side. What I do like is in his press conference, he said, the reason we came back had nothing to do with us. We had a chat. It was led by a number of players including Mitch Lewis specifically and Dylan Moore, he pointed out, to say this will go one of two ways. Either it'll keep going like this and we'll lose by 150 points, and that's a a likely outcome because it's really hard to get out of, or it can go the other way and we can fight really hard. And some of the changes that he made actually helped with that. I think over the course of the whole game, especially with Lysette, um going out early as well, having one Ruckman helped. 
Dylan Moore through the middle was great. Um, Frost did have an impact up forward, although that experiment should never happen ever again, even though it was one of the loudest saying, um, play him up there. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think he necessarily needs to be rated. Sam is Sam. Together with all of the coaches, they would have sort of filed the pros and cons from this and move on to the Lions. Beautifully said, Weezy. Um, we will wrap it up there. Uh, thank you so much to you, Andrew Weiss. Thank you to you, Darren Levine, for your incredible contributions this evening. Thank you to uh, everybody who listened. Thank you to Con for being involved in today's um, podcast. And thank you, everyone, of the Hawks Insiders community. Um, these pods and what we write in the Substack um, is because it's only possible because of you guys and your support your ongoing support in on Twitter and through uh, all your downloads and your opens. We would um, ask you if you are not yet subscribed to please consider subscribing to our Substack. It's only $5 a month, less than a cup of coffee or $50 a year. Um, and we think that we provide incredible value for money. Um, and yeah, we think that that's only going to um, continue to um, go on the up. Um, yeah, so $5 a month, $50 a year. If you'd love to subscribe, we would love for you to do that. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews, and so much more.